The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, bike breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back and thank you for listening to episode 241 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined by this awesome guy right here, my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to talk to you about the absolute mess that is UFC Vegas 71. And the reason I say it's an absolute mess is because here we are with a fight card that has, I believe, 13 fights on it. And Victor, how many ranked fights are on it that you know of? Oh, Christ. Off the top of my head without looking at it, uh, maybe two. How about 1.5? Okay, I wanted to be generous. Wow, 1.5. If it's not a record, it's a great average. Ask me why it's 0.5. Because I'm going to guess one of the – there's a fight with only one person being ranked, and I'm going to guess that it's going to be women's featherweight. Am I right on that? Actually, we don't know who's ranked. Technically, right? Like who? Yeah, that's a good question, right? We don't know who's ranked there. Now, if we were to go to to Matrix, uh, Fight Matrix, we would find that Norma Dumont is ranked, and that would make this an important fight. Uh, Carl Rosa does very well at Mantamweight, so she's making the hop over to Featherweight. But when we go to UFC rankings, athlete rankings, and we look at women's featherweight. Victor, what do you see there? Please describe it in detail. Well, it's funny because, see, the women's featherweight rankings are right next to the women's bantamweight ranking. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe somebody got lazy and they did a copy-paste. No, no, wait a minute. There's two belts there. That's Amanda Nunes in both spots. And there are literally no names. And it has been that way essentially since the creation of the division. So, fun times. <laughs> There's literally no one there. It's just Amanda and whoever is kind of on a bit of a hot streak at the time. Oh no! It's literally just Amanda. There's well, in the no... rankings, yeah. yeah, yeah. As far as the rankings go, at one time there were eight women there. Everywhere else, the rankings were fifteen deep. But when they first brought women's featherweight along, there were eight women. 
And then it it shrunk down to like six women. And then last year, or maybe even the year before, I want to say towards the end of 2021, we saw it shrink down to four or two. And today is the first time I've gone and actually seen it absolutely empty underneath the champion. And that is just insanity. Why have fights at women's featherweight when there's no possible chance for progressing through the rankings. What is the point? I mean, maybe they can't strip Amanda and they got to keep the ruse going. Uh, They're probably thinking they can use some of these women as filler. Uh, I remember not too long ago, I believe it was Norma Dumont herself who was uh, stating that the UFC was trying to get her to move down to Bantamweight and she was basically explaining, yeah, that's kind of not something I can really do. <laughs> it, would, it would ruin me. And they didn't want to have a repeat of the whole uh, cyborg situation trying to get to 130. So, uh, yeah, I, I, who knows why these people do half the shit they do anymore, you know? Yeah. And then I'm looking at the women's bantamweight right next to it. And there is a reason for this particular bout to be impactful on Carl Rosa's side as well, because she is currently ranked at number nine. She is inside the inner sanctum of the top 10 at bantamweight. So this fight matters on two different levels and we cannot see clearly a good picture of either one. Or of the fight in general, just as it stands as a USC fight. Now, back to the card itself. So, we have 1.5 ranked fights on this card. The other one being the main event. Everything else in this card is a series of dark stars that you didn't even realize were still fighting. I mean, I had to do a double take with Ricky Glenn. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I got to admit, I thought he retired. I, I thought he was out for like a while. It's like, wait, he fought in 2021? Oh, shit. Okay. And then prior to that, it was 2018. So I don't know, man. He must have been struggling with some other stuff. Um, We have, let's see here. I guess Brogan Walker did fight last year, but it seems like a million years away because she's only had the one fight. Uh, everything else was um, in the the Ultimate Fighter. Yep. That was it. She had the one fight in the UFC, and she got promptly beaten, um, ground and pound in, in the third round by Juliana Miller. She had a canceled bout with Na Liang, and she has this one with Yasmin Lucindo coming up. I mean, this whole card is just... I mean, this is a shameful card to put out. You cannot, look, and this is, you remember when we had the Fox deal, you know, where Fuel TV got converted and they made, you know, Fox Sports 1 and 2, they built the Fox Sports networks hmm. off the back of the UFC, right? And that was smart for both parties. It was good for them to use that and build. But then suddenly something funny happened. They started having Wednesday night cards. You remember that shit? Yeah, I loved them too. Those were kind of fun, but then something even more interesting happened. They started having all of them mysteriously in Brazil. Which, if I remember correctly, that was also soccer night in Brazil, so not that brilliant. But they just kept having all the Brazilian guys, all the cast-offs, and they just had them out there. And it was these drab cards, and then they moved them back to Saturday. Those things would end at 2 in the morning. You know, they'd take nine hours. And you're just like, this is all complete filler for no reason. 
And these are the cards that these are the fights that you need to fill those cards to fulfill those contractual obligations. And that's really all it is, man. That's that's like I, I know we've explained this in granular detail in the past, but it's like you notice that there's an evolution to this. And it's never fun. It's never good. And if there's any card that'll be the purest and best example of a make busy, keep busy type card in order to make sure that everybody's getting their fights and that things are moving along for their their content mill, you don't do any better than this. This is perhaps the best example you can find. I do want to talk about UFC Kansas City. We did not get a chance to on Monday. So we're going to take a quick look back at that right now. And we're going to start at the top with Max Holloway defeating Arnold Allen. And I do want to posit a couple of things here. First and foremost, I have not been reading off our standings. And boy, Victor is just, (laughs) man. I hate you so much right now, bro. You have no idea. Take a number, get in line. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so um, as I'm updating the actual totals here, oh, my God. I I went zero and five this week. It's the worst week I've done since we've been doing these. I've never gone like zero and nothing. You know what I mean? I've never gotten them all wrong. Oh, I've had the wash before. It's, 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 It's fine. You'll get used to it. Oh, it's terrible it's just fucking awful i'm so embarrassed but i'm doing very well on the bloody elbow standings because i hedge my bets Um, but right now victor is in the lead 34 and 20 mookie is behind him by 4 30 and 24 and i am (laughs) be i am dead fucking last at 23 and 31 Oh my God. You know what I always say? If it's not a record, it's a great average. You're doing sweet. You're doing amazing, sweetie. I'm doing terrible. I am doing <laughs> god awful. <laughs> well, you know what? It's hey, listen, we're recording on 420. Your mood will get better soon. Don't worry about it. I just hope <laughs> you did the proper thing last night and left cookies out for uh for Santa Snoop and the three wise men, Willie Nelson and Cheech and Chong. <laughs> leave him cookies, he'll leave you cookies. Yes. Uh, yes. But they're brownies. You have to leave brownies. Gummies, Gotta leave it. Yeah, that's like right. That. All right, so let's take a look at Max Holloway and and Arnold Allen. The only problem I had with this fight is the commentary. And the commentary would have you believe that Holloway just smashed Allen from pillar to post all five rounds and that Allen didn't get a shot off. But Allen did. As a matter of fact, Allen's shots were quite impactful and Max wore some damage from it. The only other person that gave him that kind of damage was Volkanovsky. Now, I do not think that Allen won. I picked him, but I don't think he won. I thought he took rounds two and round five, and that is it. But he did put up a spirited effort. He did not get beat the fuck up like a lot of dudes that get in there with Max Holloway get treated like. He did not get treated that way. He put up a very solid fight. And at some point down the road, if it happens like in the next year and a half, I would like to see a rematch between them. I I really would. I I I don't know. I just I like the fight a lot actually. I didn't think it was bad at all. I even called it fight of the night. Hey, who 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 was doing commentary for this? Brendan Fitzgerald, Michael Bisping, Daniel Cormier. And boy, they were really 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 on the Max Holloway train. Really really heavily. 
Cormier has inherited a, tra- a habit that a lot of them, not a lot, but th- there's some people in the MMA world do that same thing in commentary where they get this narrative in their head before the fight is even, before it's even booked. And they do not deviate from that shit no matter what. I mean, something dramatic has, like a meteor strike has to happen in the middle of a fight. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. I was listening to a podcast or something when the shit was that. Probably listening to, like, music or something. I, I just, uh, this is why, man, it, the, the product does kind of suffer. Mm, definitely. But the fight was really good. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think it was, you know, for some reason, I thought it'd be, like, more exciting. I mean, not that I'm disappointed. I'm just sort of like, I guess I had an image in my mind of how it would have gone. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with how Alan was uh, so resilient and, and the growth, mm-hmm. the, the, the evolution that he showed, the wrinkles that he showed, man, the way he was really going of those body kicks and everything. It was, it was really, uh, it was good to see Max adapting and, and changing as things came to him too, showing how brilliant he can be as a fighter and also kind of seeing how Alan was exploiting the cracks in his armor. I mean, it, it was it was a very tactical battle. Much more than I expected. I thought it would be, I guess I, I might have expected for there to be more flurries and firefight moments. And um, it turned out to be much more of, you know, leaning more towards the chess match side, but in a good way. You know, I mean, you still had uh, good pockets of action and a bit of uncertainty. Like, damn, this is, you know, round three, shit, kind of close. Then round four happens. And I'm, hmm, okay, that happened. You know, it, it, it's good. Yeah, for sure. Um KGBLMAO, a.k.a. Kelsey on Twitter, made a very astute observation. Damn, Max Holloway is that good. How much better is Volkanovsky? And that's a really good point because Volkanovsky beat his ass. You look at those stats, he beat his ass. There's no two ways around it. How fucking good is is, uh, Alex Volkanovsky? Just insane. Yeah. You saw how you saw how he did against Magachev. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of people thought he won it. I did not. I was not in that group. But he did remarkably well. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to Edson Barbosa defeating Billy Q. Was not expecting that, but what a really neat moment for, for Edson. Yeah, it really, and it wasn't so much like, oh, the old dog still got some fight in him. It's more like, oh, no, no, no. This dude is very much not done. And yeah, there could be a very strong case for him moving up in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe we should tap the brakes on any talk of him contending for a title anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But he won't get left out the room Mm -hmm. with another win like that. Mm -hmm. Nope. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's good to see that Billy Q tried to step up wasn't his moment i don't think it really takes that much shine off of him anyway especially not with the body of work that he's been putting in and the skills that he already possesses indeed azamat Mirzakhanov impressed me until he gasped but still <laughs> those first two rounds were insane and my hat while it is off to dustin jacoby for ha- quote having that dog in him i do not like to see a guy go down that frequently yeah, me neither. Me neither. But you know, I, yeah, it, it's. I, I'm not sure if that's just the age and the wear and tear from everything he's done. I, I, I really expected him to do substantially better, but maybe game planning had a part in it. You know, uh, it could have been that too. You know, and, and yeah, that was that was a bit of a weird fight too. You know, it just really didn't go anywhere near the way I thought it would expect to go. Good debut for Azimat, though. 
Well, oh, I don't yeah. even. It's not really a debut, but I mean, um, for Wasn't some of you right? out there, I don't think he was he debuting. Let me go back and look. I'm almost positive he was not. Yeah, he's been in the UFC for a while. That was his third fight. It's just that I haven't paid a lot of attention to him, but he looked great in there. I just need him to get a little bit better handle on his cardio. If he's going to be going hell for leather in the first two rounds, either be more efficient with your cardio or get better cardio. Okay, here's a counterpoint. He's a light heavyweight. And, <laughs> and still, I mean, come on, Dustin managed to managed his cardio pretty well. He certainly yeah. wasn't out of it because of his cardio. I'm just trying to start the light heavyweight sucks chant in the bleachers, but that's not. I guess that's not coming down. No, but I, listen, there, there are, there. You can't there do some, that. There are some guys that even with his cardio, the adrenaline dump that, that he had there, mm-hmm. uh, there are some guys that he could very comfortably still get past. Mm-hmm. So if he does shore that up, uh, yeah, he, he could do a hell of a lot more. He was swinging pretty hard. He was knocking him down right and left. But I don't, again, you made a good point there. Is it because of J- Jacoby's chin, age, what? You know, we don't know why he was going down that frequently if indeed it was because Azamat possesses some inhuman source of power, uh, you know, but uh, it's worth seeing him fight again. I'll definitely take some interest the next time he rolls around on the screen. Iwan mm-hmm. Kutalaba shit in Tanner Bozer's cake, didn't he? Did not expect that guy to show up. Wow. Neither. What the hell? Everybody's showing up. You put a guy's job on the line and they show up. You know, I just, it's its coming to my, it just, just hit me as you said that. This is what PFL looks like. Yes. You understand? Like, you expect, yes. like, oh, Francis Marbajal, that guy's boring, that guy stalls. And he goes in, there's like, you know what, you motherfucking, he just, I, it, it, it's crazy how that happens. Like, something switches in that. And I know we haven't been talking too much about PFL, but so far, these last events they've had, They've had some stunners, mm-hmm. you know. It's a shame that we haven't seen much of that in in some of these uh, some of these UFC events that you know, we, we seem largely underwhelming. Like I don't know the one we're going to be talking about soon. <laughs> and and here we have this moment, right? Where yeah, like you said, maybe it was the back against the wall moment that he was feeling that pressure. I don't know what was happening, but to do that to Bozer too, the guy who was taking hits at heavyweight. Yikes! You know, if we were to take a a little look back Tanner Bozer put out on Twitter I want to say it was yesterday or maybe the day before he made the eyes emoji looking around (laughs) and he put when UFC roster watch comes out (laughs) like he already knows that with that loss he's on he's on the block he might be he might be so even the fighters are, are acutely aware. Now, I want to talk about Pedro Munoz because here's the, a case again. We were all wrong on this because Gutierrez was on an eight-fight streak and he was defeating some good guys. Pedro Munoz, he, he didn't seem like he was all the way there when he in his last couple of fights. It just seemed like he wasn't, he was like dialing it in, phoning it in. Not Saturday night. Boy, Saturday night, he was 100% there. I, yeah, I got nothing. Was that game planning? Was that, I mean, what, what happened there? What, where did Veteran this, because he's fought guys like Chris. Mm-hmm. 
You know, he's fought guys that have a similar style or similar skill set, and yet, look at how he made that happen. That that's uh, man. You never know with these guys, man. This is this is a whole fuck your parlay ass card, is what this was. Hmm. Um, Hafa uh, Hafa Garcia defeating Clay Guida. My God, can we get Clay Guida out of there? Because Gosh. there are you have to very carefully, meticulously match him, and it's got to be a pain in the ass to do that. And then the, the the antics afterwards with the gloves, just so he could tell his mom happy birthday or whatever. I mean, seriously, you didn't have to go through that whole rigmarole. You could have just said, hey, Joe, you could have just grabbed him real quick. Hey, Joe, when you're done, could I just have the mic for two seconds? Joe would have done it. Based on Dana's reaction to it, I don't know that he would have. Because his main complaint was like, well, we're going to go over you know, that was that was the thing that the, the biggest takeaway that I had, like, oh, you know, we're we're on a schedule or he said something to that effect. I'm like, really? That's what we're doing now. All right. OK. I mean, if that's if that's the uh, if that's what's most urgent to you, I, I don't you know what? I didn't hate it. I thought I personally found it kind of funny. He didn't take up too much time and he was wishing his mom a happy birthday. Hey, come on. You got to really go against the mama's boy now. Come on. Now. I, I am. It. I am because it annoyed the <laughs> shit out of me. The The whole fight annoyed the shit out of me. It's um, not like he didn't try. I mean, you do oh, what you oh, can. of course. Yeah, I, I do. I do have to credit him. He does go in there and try, but he's also eating up pay that could be spread out and dispersed amongst these young puppies that are making, you know, 10 and 10. I don't know yeah, what well, Clay's wor- worth right now, but I mean, his contract's got to be pretty decent considering he's one of the longest standing guys in the UFC. I don't know, man. I mean, the way I see it, not his money, not his problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not <laughs> there. They offered him the money. Yeah, he I, I, him you're, you're right. I it's mean. just a, a one of those things that is um, it's an unrealistic rant, I guess. It's just something that bugs me a little bit and it shouldn't, I shouldn't have this, this feeling, but I do. I, I'm not a fan of old guys taking up the roster spaces. I'm not, and I don't direct it at them. I more directed at the UFC. Definitely. But it annoys the shit out of me to see old men on there fighting just, just for the, the, their spot in the roster and they're not fighting impactful fights. There's no movement for them. No, nothing. Nah. UFC is supposed to represent, you know, the best of the best, not the the best of the old guys. Yeah, well, now it's whatever ESPN will pay them. That's that's what they're that right there is just the worst. Uncle but, Ari needs another yacht. Yeah, right now we are going to get to um, a fight, two other fights here, actually three. We're going to talk Brandon Royval and uh, Mateus Nicolau. Did not go down the way I expected. Because both of them actually can swing. But wow, Brandon Royval. God damn, that dude. Oof. You know what got me the most was his whole attitude after that. Yeah. He's still talking shit and in the in the best way, by yeah. the way. Like, you know, Mokayev tried to come for him and he was like, nuh-uh, I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not engaging with your broke ass. Like, no, I I aspire to something higher. And good for him because that's the kind of performance that will get you exactly that. Uh, just not too much to say about it. It didn't take too long. And he did that to Nicolau, a guy who's super duper tough. I hope that that's recognized and that he is rewarded accordingly. Indeed. Zach Cummings 
defeating Ed Herman. And they, here is another one where the commentary could only give Ed Herman props in that he kept getting up. That is not good. No, not really. I didn't enjoy that fight at all, man. There was really, I mean, I didn't enjoy the booking of it either, but I guess it's not knowing that they both retired. Mm. It was like a big sigh of relief. Indeed. You know, I mean, it, it's just sometimes, man, like you need, guys, you've done enough. <laughs> all right. So we are going to break down our select fights. From UFC Vegas 71, we also are going to pick the main event of Bellator 295, which is the far superior card. And we are going to pick uh, the winner of Tank and and, uh, Ryan Garcia. So, in the interest of time, we'll go ahead and start with Bellator 295. We are only going to pick the main event, but we are going to speak about this card at length here for the next, I'd say, 5-10 minutes. So let's go ahead and make our pick. Rafian Stotts versus Patchy Mix. Mookie has picked Rafian Stotts, and I have as well. However, I do want to make the caveat. Patchy Mix is always pulling out wins where he's not fucking supposed to. So if he gets a win here, would not surprise me in the least. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm almost counting on it. Because I have gone ahead and picked Stotts. And with the way my luck is running, I probably jinxed him. You know what? I, I'm i going to go with with Stotts. But man, Mix could really, really, really do something massive here with a win. And he could absolutely just grab a hold of his wrist or of his, of his leg or something. And ruin that whole thing. Get that million dollars. I don't know where to go with this. And I mean that that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You want that kind of unpredictability. I mean, it's high stakes enough. It's a million dollars in the belt, man. That's fucking crazy. This is this is brilliant. These mm-hmm. th- this the million dollar tournament idea is getting slept on so hard. I don't think it gets Bellator doesn't get enough credit for how they're doing this and the kind of action that that brings. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Stotts, man. I mean, he's got that dynamite in his hands, he's got that veteran savvy, he's got the mobility in the wrestling. Um I think he's probably going to be able to outwork him. Indeed. Now I want to talk a little bit about Bellator 295. First and foremost, Bellator 295 is taking place in lovely, picturesque Honolulu, Hawaii. Now, last weekend, Dana White was asked a question, why do we not have a UFC Hawaii for Max Holloway? Dana (laughs) said, We've been trying to work something out, but we just can't get it done. It likely won't get done. We can't get it done. Bellator has been doing this. As a matter of fact, in the last year, they've held six events, or the last 18 months, they've held six events in in Hawaii. That says that it can be done. Now, if we go back in our memory palaces to 2018... The UFC was actively trying to get a card at Hawaii. So they were speaking with the Hawaii Tourism Board because, you know, things have to go that through that route. And they pitched an idea. You pay us $6 million and we will put on a card for you. Now, $6 million is more than they paid for the Pro Bowl. The fucking Pro Bowl only cost five point four. But the UFC wants six. 
So they said no. And they made a counteroffer and they said, we have one million. We're so happy to give you because we are broke here. You know, we don't have tons and tons and oodles and oodles of money here. But we can afford to give you one million. Please give us your fights. Nope, nope, nope. Cannot happen. No deal here. That is what is going on with the UFC not having any cards in Hawaii. It is not because of the size of the centers, because someone said, oh, the venues are so small. The biggest one only seats 10 to 15,000. Guess what? The UFC knows that and they still want to do the deal, but they want to do the deal on their terms where that they basically financially strap Hawaii so that they can get their six or eight or 10 or whatever the the exchange rate is now going up for, for the inflation. I guarantee you it's no longer six million. Mr. White, our children are starving. We have jet fuel in our water. <laughs> fuck you. That's I mean, I mean, that's that's what are you gonna do? It's fuck you, pay me, baby. That's all it is. They're not willing to go down now once. And that's the thing too. Like when if if you if you ask you your opening bid is six mil and the tourism board says, Well, we only have one, he's gonna look at that as as you playing hardball. I really do think that. I really do think that he has no understanding of how the local economy is and does not give a single solitary fuck about any of the struggles, the very real and palpable struggles that are happening in Hawaii right now. Mm-hmm. Where people have been saying for the last year and a half, hey, mainlanders, can you kind of like stay home? We got some shit going on right here that um, it's not too Hollywood right now. Uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of needing for you to like just stay back. And I mean, still, I, I just I don't understand what uh, this this the calculus here is greed, but he won't say that out loud because he knows that's going to make them look bad, right? So what does he do? He says, well, we can't get it done. And the main relief that I felt was that at least he didn't put it squarely on the tourism board and say, well, you got to ask them because I think he did that one time before. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact he did it at least once. I can't remember when. It was like, oh, you got to talk to them. You got to talk to local government, like basically put pressure on your people. Go over there and talk to them as if as if that were somehow going to make things better. That's not going to put more money in their coffers. Hey, local government, I know that we're got to, I know we're closing down libraries and schools and shit, but we really need this UFC so we can give them more money. Not that that's going to really create any tangible benefit to the community around them, but sure, hey, listen, that's what it is, man. We need the fights. That's that's for the the BJ Penn constituency and oh, a whole lot of fucking good that did. Right. Let me let me read to you some of the fights on this card though that make it just so much so oh much more God. impactful and pretty than the other. All right. In the main event spot, we have Rafian Stotts versus Patchy Mix. Super high stakes bantamweight match, and their bantamweight division is deep. Okay? Fire. They have Fire. a really good bantamweight division and a great featherweight division, too. So we get the co main event, a women's flyweight match. Alima Lay McFarlane is taking on Kana Watanabe. That's a fucking killer fight right there. And let's not forget, Alimale will probably figure out some way for that early card to be on that mic because she's also a wonderful commentator. So, yeah, well, she'll probably be on commentary the first night because you have to remember right. it's a doubleheader. That's right. So that's right. Two ninety four on Friday. That's By the time you're listening to this, it's it's probably time to get warmed up. Yeah. And then what are your what are your nachos? And then Saturday night you got the other one, which is even. That's the heavier of the two, which yes. is fine. I mean, it's not that the first card isn't good. It's just not. It's it's not quite. Um, 
Not I mean, quite this is definitely a card I would pit up against a UFC for sure. Because right after Alimale's fight, you have Aaron Pico taking on James Gonzalez. Aaron Pico is finally growing into his body. For sure. Mm. And his skills. So uh, we're seeing his fight IQ jumping up every time he has a fight now. Thank God. Because for a while there, I was starting to wonder about Aaron Pico. Well, that's that's also what happens when you're the victim of ambitious and irresponsible matchmaking. Indeed. Now, this one right here. Ray Borg versus Kyoji Horiguchi. I do not Fuck. like. I do not like that it's at flyweight, though. And when asked... Ray Borg said he didn't understand it either that he was hoping that it would have been at 135 and that from his understanding, he thought Kyoji wanted it there too. So again, weird matchmaking, putting this at 125 when apparently both guys wanted it to be at 135. But yeah, it's still like a wonderful fight. That's a really good fight. And then this next one, Yancey Madero's taking on Charlie Leary. That's a good fight. It's out of catch weight, 165. But you know what I like about Bellator? They don't make a whole lot of bones about having fights at catch weight. And they certainly don't throw their fighters under the bus when they do have to do that. No, I, I, as far as the, the previous fight, like, I guess, I mean, they don't have a flyweight division. So I'm a little, mm-hmm. I, that, that we'll, we'll comment more on that later. But as far as catchweights, they, they do those like almost every event now. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. This is an action forward type of card. Charlie Leary is what, 17 and 13? Mm-hmm. You know, neither one of these guys is going to be contending for a title right now. But they're action. They're action, exactly. And yeah. that's fine. It's good to have some fun. And on top of that, you're throwing a bone to the locals because Yancey seems to be quite beloved in his native Hawaii. Oh, wow. Who would have thought? Maybe maybe having more guys that are local uh, is a good for the structure of your events and your company. Wow. Indeed. And also, let's not forget, Bellator is a good home for fighters that are not quite ready for the pasture that still have some mileage in the tank but just couldn't cut it in the UFC. So you get your Yancey Maderoses and your Ray Borgs, you know, you get those kind of people and they do just fine in Bellator and they put on great fights. Now, this next one, I love this one. This is homegrown talent, but this is really good homegrown talent. You got Mads Burnell taking on Justin Gonzalez. I'm glad they gave Mads a little, little step down. He, I believe he needs one. Yeah, he's lost his last two. I for sure thought he was going to be able to take Pedro Carvalho. I think all three of us picked him there. And Pedro Carvalho said, no thanks, no happening. Same thing mm-hmm. with Adam Boric. You know, Adam Boric got him last year. Pedro Carvalho got him last year. So hopefully this tiny little step down to Justin Gonzalez will be better for him, bode better for him. I, maybe it, it's hard to tell, man, the way these guys have been doing lately, uh, you know, the way some of these uh, similar situation, what we were just discussing with the UFC, you know, it's like sometimes these guys will bust out the special move that you didn't see. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. That I guess that's what we're going to do. Justin Gonzalez. Um, I mean, he's 14 and one, he's fought some pretty good guys, you know, but stylistically, how does he match up with Mads? How does he do that's a tough one. It's it's not that much of a step down as as you know it might seem at first glance. So I don't know. I mean, I I love the fight personally. I, they they still they got some really good ones here. I feel like Justin maybe step down isn't quite the word, but not as experienced because his his schedule 
um, is not the same kind of schedule that that Mads has had. You know, Mads mm-hmm. has fought a lot better quality of opponents. So strength of schedule definitely resides with Mads. Yeah, I, I'd say it's more of a step back when not yeah. a step down because you're you're still fighting a guy who's really good. Yeah, or maybe just hasn't had the kind of experience or progression. You know, it, it's it's comparable, but it's not quite there. So maybe that's a better and more accurate way to put it. Yeah. Finally, I want to talk about one other fight here, and it's Kai Kamaka the third taking on uh, Adley Edwards. Kai Kamaka was an entertaining fighter. He didn't find his footing very well in the UFC. But I cannot say Kai Kamaka was ever boring in any one of his fights. Not at all. No. Uh, and it's good to see him get some shine here. You know, you're, you're seeing that happen with some of like Keone Diggs is on this card taking on Weber Almeida, which is also a very, very overlooked fight. But you got the Hawaiians fighting in Hawaii and like they're exciting and they're being paired up with comparable opposition. Yeah. Winnable fights, but not guaranteed. I mean, that's good. And they're stylistically very likely to deliver. So you 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 can't help but be happy to see a guy, you know, maybe he didn't do so well in the UFC. Well, you know what? The elite don't always have to be in one spot. Doesn't mean that he's elite. Doesn't mean that he can't pick himself up and become that in the process. But if, if, if in the interim, at least for now, he can put on some fun events and fight in, his, in front of his home crowd, something Max Holloway can't say that he can do, fuck it. Go for it. Indeed. So now we're going to get to the UFC card, which is dismal. I can't stress this enough. Dismal. (laughs) And what makes it more dismal? Remember at the top of the hour, I told you it was a 13 fight card. Well, it used to be. Now it's 12 fights. Do you want to know why this fight, um, this fight card is so fucking dismal? Because they removed... The Song Yadong Ricky Simone fight, and are now placing it an, on another card. So that is how we ended up with the amazing co-main event that is Brad fucking Tavares against Bruno Silva. To yeah, put that man. in perspective, yeah. I didn't even bother to have us pick this fight. Victor. I mean, it, it's it's the who is the king of the middleweight gigs. That's what you're looking at here. You know how they got the BMF bell and hard? You need to make a, a little trophy, a little trinket out of popsicles. King of the geeks for whoever wins this one. I mean, whoever loses this one, probably. That's probably it's thing. I don't know. Like, I, I'm going with Bruno, but like, oh, God. No, we're not I, picking I, that one. I'm not even. No, no. What I'm, what I, I just, I have to mention that to say, like, does it really matter? Like, yeah. does this make any impact in the division? If you get two guys that are unranked. Right. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be a good fight or that it's not divisionally relevant because you could see a guy like, okay, maybe this is what breaks him through and he gets closer or into the top 15. Not this one. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, here, no, in casa. No, no, no. Fuck that. I mean, those kind of fights are down at the bottom of the card, actually. And honestly, I can only see two that really interest me. And that would be um, Dana Baccarel versus Brady Highstand. Yeah, the Baccarel. Yeah, that one looks good. And I, I cannot help myself. I'm mildly interested in seeing how Muhammad Usman does in his second fight out. I I don't trust him, man. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm I'm sort of interested in seeing how he does against Junior Taffa. I think Taffa's putting him to sleep, bro. Could be. But Junior I mean, Taffa being at heavyweight. 
Should he be at heavyweight? I mean, he weighed in at one of his fights recently, right before he got to the UFC, at 230. He's not a heavyweight naturally, I don't think. Thing is, the, the Tafa had a lot of a lot of flab around him. I no, think you, he's lost. If I remember correctly, he's he's lost a good amount of weight. But no, you're thinking of the. Remember, there's two. This is Junior. You're thinking of Justin. There's two Tafas in the UFC. This right, is this the is, baby it, here. Right. That's right. This baby Tafa. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know why. Baby Tafa's yeah. even smaller. I yeah, don't I'm not know taking any of it back. I think doing. he still sleeps. In. <laughs> he could very well. That's the thing, because, you know, he. let me see something with his record really quickly here. We're going to take a look. Okay, Baby Tafa has done very well for himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's 3-0 and as a pro, but he's also got lots of Muay Thai and kickboxing bouts here. Looks like he's had four losses total in kickboxing. I saw him as 4-0. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, 4-0. He has some power. It looks like he's one off of, yeah, every single thing has been punches. Yeah. yeah. So he's got power, but look at him. Do you see his picture there? Yeah. God, he's small. He should be a 205. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if he can carry that and, and, and still deal well and he doesn't feel overpowered, then he can stay there. It's about time we have fitter heavyweights. You know how I feel about these fat dudes rolling in there gassing yeah. out? 30 seconds in, I mean. And we, nice we haven't seen anybody like a Stipe in a long time, and this guy looks like he's built like Stipe. Mm, maybe not quite as much, not not quite the action figure physique. That, right, that but still, but still no, in the yeah, slender lean, category. Lean. Yeah, lean enough, I see it. Yeah, definitely so. But anyways, that's those are the only two that I'm really interested in outside of the main event. I mean, and this is a terrible fight. Uh, we we are picking three of them. So I'll go ahead and, and kick us off with those picks. We're going to start with Carl Hosa taking on Norma Dumont. You um, want to lead us here? I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you that I am taking Norma, but uh, Mookie is taking Carl Hosa, and he is taking her, I believe, by a finish. Mm. I know. Yeah, it's I pretty bold, that. right? Uh, I'm going to go with Dumont by decision. I don't know. I'm just going on vibes. I take it back. She, he is taking Rosa by decision. It was something else that he had mentioned for a uh, finish. So Norma Dumont for you and I and Carl Hosa for Mookie. All right. Our next one is going to be Bobby Green taking on Jared Gordon. Listen, this is not divisionally relevant. The guys are not in the top 15, I don't believe. I'm definitely going off of, you know, nostalgia for this pick because, you know, Bobby Green's in there. Yeah. I don't trust him. I, I, I don't. I think Jared Gordon, look, Bobby Green is great defensive wrestling, very slick boxing. We all know that, right? He's got all that, the leg kicks, good stuff. I just kind of feel like he's falling off a bit, man. I'm not feeling it. I'm not going with it. I just I just kind of think that you got a guy who's a younger, spry athlete and who is, uh, you know, he's, he's got that strength with him, you know. he's He's got pretty decent technique with his takedowns. I don't know. You, you, I feel like I feel like Gordon's going to have to do a lot of things wrong in order for Bobby to really capitalize, and uh, that would mean, you know, giving him the requisite space that he wants in order to keep the fight where he wants it to be. And I don't think Gordon's going to do that. So I'm going to go with Gordon. 
Believe it or not, there's only about a year and a half difference between them. <laughs> Jared Gordon is 34. Um, and Bobby Green is, hang on, I believe he's 36. I mean, Bobby's probably been fighting since Bush was in office. Um, he's been fighting since 2009. <laughs> there you go. I Obama. think it's, two, it's either 2009 or, two, hang on, let me go down here and check it out. He fought in affliction, I remember. Nope. He's been fighting since 2008. The second affliction, he sure did. There you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he fought, yeah. he fought like eight, nine times before that. Yeah. Yeah, he was already eight and two when he was at affliction. A lot of mileage. A lot of mileage. God mm-hmm. dang, you have changed my mind here. Fuck. <laughs> was not expecting that. I guess I'm going to go with Gordon too. Mookie's picking uh, Bobby Green. Mm-hmm. All right, we get to the main event. Sergey Pavlovich taking on Curtis Blades. Up front, Mookie is taking Sergey Pavlovich. And he says it will be by a knockout in round two. I'm taking Curtis Blades, and I think he's just going to smother him for five fucking rounds. Listen, Curtis Blades only gets beat up by two dudes, okay? Yep. Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou. He got knocked out against both of those guys. Derek Lewis has been sliding off the hill. Ngannou is gone. Who hits like that and is going to be able to pose that kind of threat? Does Pavlovich hit with the accuracy and power that would be needed to put him down? I don't think so. Even though that chin has been cracked and very much tested, it's still been against two striking, you know, like power demigods. I don't think I'm going to really roll the dice on Pavlovich being the guy to do it. He's going to have to contend with the wrestling. And you got to also remember that Blades, his striking is pretty educated. He knows what his limitations are. He's not going for anything reckless. He's going to take him down. He's going to elbow him to, you know, make his head look like it's you know, a puddle of Vietnamese plum sauce. Good night. Curtis Blades. Indeed. And the other thing, too, is... Even if this thing stays at striking distance for a few moments, Curtis Blades can hit like a fucking truck, too. Mm-hmm. So, Sergey could be in trouble at any point up or down. The only place that Blades is going to be in trouble is up top. A couple more avenues for Curtis Blades, so... Definitely go in that direction. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our UFC coverage. We have one more fight to pick. It's a boxing match between Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. Now, this fight is trending bigger than any MMA bout in existence right now. (laughs) Future, past, present, whatever. This is the fight of the week right here. So I saved it for last. Now, Mookie is going with Gervonta Davis. By knockout, round 10. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that Gervonta can knock out Ryan. But I also don't doubt that Ryan can knock out Gervonta because both of them possess big power. Ryan has a one-inch reach advantage, a four-inch height advantage. I think I'm taking uh, Davis, but I think I'm going to take him throughout a decision. How about you, Victor? I want to hear your take. Yeah, look, man, I don't I don't really pay too much attention to boxing like that to give you a deep and 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 uh, very uh, thorough analytic adventure of any kind. That's that's not what I'm here for. I'm 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 here for the big bubble butt jokes and the smoking weed jokes, because let's be honest, folks, what would you rather do? You're not talking to Mike Chiapetta 
about Janet Mason videos. You're not trying to smoke weed with Ben Folks. You come here to listen to me. And boxing, unfortunately, not exactly my forte. And that's fine. But from what I've seen, from what I gather and glean, I think the tank is probably going to put him to sleep. I think he's going to batter him up and find some opportunities in there. And uh, I don't know that it gets to round 10. I think he's got the kind of power to fold him by maybe, let's say, round six or seven. All right. Well, I am going to stick with my guns on this one. I'm going to say tank by decision. This is a fight that's been in the making for a while that, you know, everybody's been salivating over. I'm excited to see it. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right, we're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.